0: what's masculine and strong is to re- recognize and acknowledge that you could use some polishing up in an area and then go find tools that'll help you do that.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to Tales from the Journey. I'm Stephanie Zamora and today I am here with Sean Gala, founder of mensgroup.com. Sean, thank you so much for being here with us.
0: I'm excited to be here, Stephanie, thanks.
1: Yeah, I would love for you to start by sharing just a bit about you and what it is that you do.
0: I run men's groups for normal guys. who just want to have a chat over at mensgroup.com. I joined a men's group. I found it to be very beneficial to my life. And when I asked my friends why they didn't want to get into it, it's because they were like, they thought they were kooky or for losers. I was like, that's weird. It feels like a tool that's for a winner. So I looked around and all these men's groups that are online were doing chanting or had adopted first nations names or were blowing sage with owl wings and stuff like that and i was like that's cool but i can see why people are put off by this i can see why men find it uh, you know intimidating and there was nobody who was doing an approachable group for guys to just want to talk about their lives not necessarily do heavy emotional work or crying sing kumbaya or anything like that just share what's going on and so that's what we have going on over at mensgroup.com
1: and I know that you went through your own period of adversity and struggle. And so I'd love to start there. What your life looked like before and all the different things that you walked through. I know there was quite a bit that was going on for you.
0: Yeah, I was living in Mexico at the time. I had fall in love with a woman. We moved down there and what looked like a lovely life on Facebook it turned into a challenging time for me because I felt quite isolated. And even though I had friends down there I could surf with, I felt quite alone and uh, alone with my challenges alone with my thoughts and it was a beautiful time but i realized i could use some support so i just threw my uh, some of my friends into a facebook group to have some conversations that was 10 years ago and when facebook groups were a new thing and the women didn't really stick around it seemed like they already had that kind of community and then but the all these guys from all the different parts of the world started engaging in these conversations about business and life and it just seemed like they really needed it yeah so So that turned into my first men's group.
1: That's awesome. What was it like for you? I know there's a lot of conversation and you have this conversation in some of your videos and on your website about how difficult it is in our culture and our societies for men to admit I need help and I want to have these conversations. There's a lot of stigma around it. So what was it like for you in your 20s to go through that process for yourself?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I see in men's group like the biggest reason why men come to a men's group in general, whether it's ours or, or another one, is because they feel like they're scared to bring up whatever it is they're feeling or situations they're in um, simply because they've been ridiculed their whole lives for doing so. And there's been a lot of disapproval or shame around uh, different things they've been feeling or thinking, and they come into these men's groups. That's the biggest thing I've noticed, them bringing into it and why they come to us. Sorry, what was the second part of that question?
1: What was that process like for you to decide for yourself, this is what I need and then to create oh, yeah.
0: it. Great question. So I grew up playing hockey. I was more of an A-type kid growing up, uh, a c- competitive hockey player. And I love that camaraderie in the dressing room and being able to talk about stuff after the game. It's like after you'd been to battle with a guy or had shared an experience with a guy, that's when guys would open up a little bit and talk about their relationships or talk about uh, how to be a better father or what, whatever it was that they were going through. And then after my hockey career, if you want to call it that ended and I was out on my own, I realized there was a lack of that. And then it wasn't until I moved down to Mexico and then felt really isolated mm-hmm. that I realized that, wow, I really missed that. And then what was interesting was actually once I started this group, seeing these, well, of these guys were very successful and very popular and in places like New York or London or Beijing, and they still felt like the exact same thing that I was feeling. They still felt like that there's this subtle isolation. So for me, I got dragged to my first men's group by a friend. I didn't really want to go and I just loved it because it reminded me of those hockey locker room days.
1: Yeah, definitely. How did that first men's group really help you with your own growth and healing? Because I know you mentioned on your website, again, just a lot going on. I believe you said eating disorder, depression, Mm -hmm. chronic health issues. How did it really play a role in that healing for you?
0: Yeah, I think it helped each of those individually in different ways. But the summary of all of them was like, it, it gave me a place to work through those things. I wasn't alone with my thoughts. It gave me a place to bounce things off the guys and they'd, they'd, mix, they'd share stories from their own lives about how they manage similar things. And so it was great because I'd come in a meeting and I'd be nervous or intimidated to share about, yeah, the binge eating issue I've had as a result of some emotional issues or the I went bankrupt due to a business failure, for example. I've had partners cheat on me. I've, I've had close people to me pass away and these kinds of things. And especially in those times I found it so great to just be able to bring those somewhere that's not my partner or my mm-hmm. family work through them and then bring the fruits of that back to my life e- every single one of those examples of getting cheated on the eating addiction kind of thing it's I bring those to the group thinking I was the only one and then sure enough there'd be three or four guys out of the ten that would be like oh yeah I'm, I'm dealing with that too or I went through something similar and so it normalized it took the pressure off and it just made it uh so much more manageable and then number two I got to actually like workshop through how to navigate these situations.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really powerful. Like you said, I feel like women have more of that already, inherent to just how we are in our relationships. But the support of that reflection and especially the validation of you're not crazy and you're not alone is so huge. And I don't think enough men getting that today. So I I love that you shared that. Was there any particular moment that felt like hitting bottom or was it more of a series of moments that made you realize that you wanted something to change in your life or for yourself?
0: Oh, well, that's such a great question. I, I feel like I've hit bottom like a number of times. And I probably will again. I don't even know yeah. if I found bottom yet. But, but yeah, I think I, I'm grateful because for whatever reason, I'm the kind of person who when I get, when things get really bad, I'll take action. I'll do something about it. The lowest low for me was probably getting sick. I just burnt, out, I burnt myself out. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was working too hard and trying to deal with the emotions of a breakup by chasing other women and and trying to like be a high achieving person in in my career and traveling a lot and partying. and ended up coming down with a chronic illness and I spent a couple of years in bed basically. And that was mm-hmm. the lowest of low. That was the darkest of the dark. And uh, yeah, I reached for any tool I could to get support during that time. So I didn't mm-hmm. have to. I didn't have a I never had a... Actually, I've had multiple moments where I'm like, ooh, something needs to change. But it was that's like an ongoing thing for me. It's run into a challenge, find tools to help. Run into a challenge, yeah. find tools to help. And some of those challenges are lower and darker than others, but that's how my process works, yeah.
1: Yeah, awesome. What do you feel like kind of built that into you as a person? Is it something that you learned at some point? Was it just always there? <laughs>
0: Honestly, I'm not even sure that it comes from a good place. Like it could come from a place of trying to fill a void, like needing to be somebody who's high achieving and needing to be successful um, by my own terms and stuff. It might be an insecurity more than anything, but I don't know. I guess my parents had the same resolve, kind of grit to them. But I also just saw people around me that they were going through tough times. And it there's a distin- distinction between the people who like, okay, honor the emotional experience of that, but also access the resources that were available to make change. I saw them actually like becoming more fulfilled in the long-term versus people who didn't. Mm. And so I think just seeing people around me reaching out for tools and, and help when they needed it and getting results and, and that creating a positive reinforcement cycle for me.
1: Yeah. One of the things that we talk about in the journey mapping process, which is the work that I do is yeah. this idea that the, like the hitting rock bottom, the fall is not the hard part. The hard part is the work that comes after that. And so I would mm. love to hear your own take on you were dragged to a men's group that you didn't necessarily want to go to, and now you're having this experience of, "Wow, I have a resource and I have people that can help me." But what was it like for you, moment to moment, day to day, to really make the choice to create something different with yourself and your life?
0: Oh, it feels impossible day to day. It feels so difficult. So you hit rock bottom, you get inspired, and then three days later, you're faced with your own habits and your own like neurological oh. hardwiring and stuff like that, and it's it's just really difficult to. Great change in your life but I I feel like that, and that now I feel like that is the only journey we can be on that's like the, that is the true hero's journey right it's like ma- mastering that stuff within ourselves and those issues we run mm-hmm. into our emotional uh, hang-ups and those kinds of things so yeah for me it was a process of really taking it day by day it's like, what can I do about this today okay maybe it's just reading a book or maybe it's just a small action but it was like continuing to make progress forward that was the only answer and there's some days where I didn't. And I had to be really easy with myself you know, during those times too. But it was just uh, chipping away however you can, getting momentum.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd love to know what your self-talk was like. I feel like <laughs> everyone really struggles with that. Yeah. It's easy to look back and say, this is what I did. And I took it moment to moment. And I had to like get the energy to do it. But in those moments at least for me, there was a ton of beating myself up of why am I still here? Why is this so hard? Why can't I change? I feel like I'm taking one step forward and five crashing steps backwards. Mm-hmm. What was that internal process like for you?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. For me, my biggest demon, so to speak, has always been low self-worth. And so my default has been to kick myself around and to take whatever's happening in my life, good or bad, and then use it as evidence to prove that I'm not good enough. And so mm-hmm. you yeah, have those moments when you've hit a low or you're going through a tough time and you're it it was just so easy for me to compare myself to others or to beat up myself be like ah you're such a loser or whatever and so that was a big part of the journey for me it was actually and that was the big turning point for me i think in my overall journey thus far has been like actually rebuilding that self-worth and and changing that internal narrative that voice in my head is now a much more of a cheerleader now i'm at the point where i don't really collapse into the Beating myself up low self worth thing anymore, but it's been like a five or 10 year journey.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to the men out there? Again, I feel like obviously both men and women have a lot of self worth stuff that comes from different places, but I feel like men especially carry such a burden of to be a man, I must show up this way. To be masculine, I must provide, I must do these things. Is there any particular advice that you'd give to other men who are wrestling with that internal demon?
0: Yeah, definitely it's that is the hero's journey again. It's that's the true journey we all need to go on. Like you can't escape that stuff. It's in there. We all have it in different forms. It comes out in different ways for everybody. Nobody's talking about it. And so you either deal with it or you don't. And this is perception that things like therapy or uh, spiritual practices or working with somebody like you or Whatever is is weakness. When, well, in reality, I think hiding from that stuff is weakness, pretending everything's fine when it's not as weakness. Like what's masculine and strong is to re- recognize and acknowledge that you could use some polishing up in an area and then go find tools that'll help you do that. And I see guys doing it every day in men's group 300 pound biker bros, like the most classic <laughs> macho guys you can do with tattoos <laughs> all over their arms and everything are showing up. And they're like, I've been through, I've had five breakups recently and I thought it was them, but I realize now it's me and some of my emotional reactions, and I want to do something about it. And I'm like, that's cool. That is cool. That's a winner.
1: That gives me goosebumps. That's so awesome. Yeah. Another thing that we talk about in the journey mapping process is the role of mentors. And I feel like that's very inherent to having a men's group, but I'd love to hear more about your own experience with mentors, either internally or externally and how that really supported you.
0: Yeah. Great question. Um, That's a, this is a topic that comes up in men's group a lot because guys are joining because they don't have any healthy male role models. They don't really have any mentors and maybe they didn't have one growing up. Maybe they did have one, but it wasn't a healthy situation similar to mine, or perhaps they've just become isolated in their adulthood and they don't have anybody to look to. And so I personally haven't been able to find any like one size fits all mentors. I've been able to pick and choose from books and podcasts and maybe ritual for health or Ryan Holiday for philosophy and maybe this person for emotional intelligence and whatever but yeah. what I've seen in in a resource like a men's group is that when you have 12 guys sitting in a circle there's always one or two guys who have been through it who can act almost like as mentors by sharing their experience and and what they learned and what worked for them and what didn't work for them and so it's yeah. almost like a done for you mentor makeshift situation yeah uh, that I find very useful
1: yeah you bring up such a great point. Childhood has such a huge impact on who we are and what our subconscious programming is and our strategies for succeeding in life. If you're willing, would you share a little bit about your childhood and how you feel like that contributed to where you ended up at Dark Night of a Soul period?
0: How much time do you have? Because I could talk about this <laughs> stuff for hours. There's a lot there, <laughs> there's a lot to get into. I came from a household that was very loving and then the outside it looked like a leave it to beaver kind of family that's dating myself that reference but like perfect family two kids two parents we didn't have a lot of money but we were doing the things we needed to do I played a lot of hockey growing up but what you couldn't see from the outside is that it was a bit of a lot of households of this generation it was like not an emotionally expressive place and there was a lot of disapproval shaming a lot of guilt tripping and so then I got into the world with that as my default Think, thinking that I need to, people please certain in love, I need to, that intimacy is a thing that can be painful, all these things, and then I venture into the world and I run into a few adversities and then that narrative just takes over. And so it really affected my ability to show up at work because I'd run into adversity and it, it just, I'd feel, be feeling all these emo- strong emotions and I couldn't be effective at what I was doing. It showed up my health, I think that's a great contributor to why I ran into chronic health issues and then and then, also, most importantly, it showed up in my romantic relationships, specifically coming in with anxious tendencies like anxious attachment style and really needing craving intimacy that I didn't get when I was younger. that can be too much for some people and and then people pleasing tendencies, which cause all sorts of issues and codependencies yeah i really that really set the stage for most of my twenties and the majority of my thirties thus far. And it's been a five-year process, maybe a little bit longer to unravel all that.
1: Yeah. What has played the biggest role for you in unraveling?
0: That's a great question. And nobody really talks about this, Stephanie. So I, I want to approach. I, I want to get into it in a non-kooky way, if you will. So for me, I tried a lot of things. I journaled. I did affirmations. I did you know, self-worth journaling. I, did, I went and saw therapists. And those are all helpful. Those are all great things. I did a Tony Robbins seminar. I did. I tried tried a bunch of different stuff, and I have very, I very, I have a lot of very successful friends who are doing meaningful projects, who are into self worth and you know, self development, and so I learned a lot from them too. But I felt like my issues were still there, my emotions were still there. At the end of the day, And I kept finding myself being triggered by similar things and having similar reactions that I and habits that I couldn't couldn't get out of. And the thing that actually moved the needle on that made the difference was something called somatic meditation or somatic Mm -hmm. experiencing Mm -hmm. and I did it almost as a last resort a friend recommended that I just go try I just do go do a session with a a coach basically and all it was is I walked into a room and there was a sweet old lady there and I lied down on the floor and she basically just like got me to breathe and then got me to focus on the sensations that were happening in my body and that's really Mm -hmm. it Her, her job there was to keep my mind out of it but just to let whatever was in here start to move and so if I sit with myself often, it's tension in here. And the body holds tension. Any massage, good massage therapist can tell you that. Nervous system just holds on to it when we're stressed. It's the default of how we work. Okay, so we hold on to these things. And so it ended up as I hung out with those things and breathed into them, all of a sudden, oh, there's some crying tingles. All of a sudden, ooh, I feel angry all of a sudden. Just little flutters at the beginning. And then over over two sessions, three sessions, nothing really happened. But I was like, I think there's something to this because I'm getting in Like that masculine training that I have of like closing off my throat, stopping the emotions from coming out, pushing them down. That thing was starting to open up a little bit. And I was like, okay. And then sure enough, fourth session, I'm just breathing into those things. She's like encouraging those things to be there. And then started coming out. I had a really good cry. I'm like, where did that come from? Because it wasn't around anything particular. I was like, okay, there's something to this. There's this well of pain that's held in my body. And the more that I cleared that out, the lighter I felt, the less I was triggered by the things I used to be. And the less I experienced things like self-worth issues, anger, sadness, life just got easier.
1: Yeah. It's amazing to me how powerful our emotions are and how we think that just because we've managed to stuff them down or bypass them, that they're gone, but they just like fester in our body and our nervous system and ourselves. I love that you shared that. What was it like for you? I think of one of my dear friends who's done a lot of personal growth work and he told me when we first met that he didn't realize he had more than two emotions. He thought he was happy or angry. Yes.
0: And when I hear he that a really,
1: lot. yeah, when yeah. he really started doing his own growth and healing work, being exposed to such a wide range of emotions and having no skill at all in managing them or being able to feel them, what was that like for you?
0: like learning chinese or something like just like completely out of my wheelhouse just and it's so uh intimidating because we've not had any training in this we've had nobody demonstrate it there aren't a ton of resources out there for men to get into their emotions and, and, and don't, don't get me wrong i think the same things apply for women i'm sure there's lots of women who lack community and, and have are reeling really to figure out their emotions as well but I just know men because I've been doing this for so long. And I see them, a lot of them being really intimidated and nervous about getting into it. They don't know if they're going to start exploding all over the place. Are they, going to, are they going to collapse into a puddle and not be able to show up for their family and work? Are they going to be ridiculed and criticized as being weak or gay or whatever? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's like a there's like a real fear in there for a lot of men.
1: Yeah. Oh, such an important topic. I could talk about that forever.
0: <laughs> and I, I, think um, a lot of pe- I think a lot of people interpret it as though men don't want to talk about these things, or right. people don't want to talk about these things. When really, they're just scared, like like childhood scared, like little kids scared inside about, and they don't even understand why. About about yeah. revealing some of the things they're feeling and thinking. And
1: yeah. Yeah. how did I know you talked about it a little bit? But how did unlocking and processing out that all of those stored emotions, how did that start to affect you and your relationships and your life?
0: Yeah, such a great question. Again, how much time do you have? I don't think we have enough time here. The a few areas of my life where I noticed it the most. Number one, I was getting a lot less triggered with my family. So like the the trying relationship I have with my dad, I was just less reactive, less emotional with him. He was doing the same old moves, but I was like, I don't know, I'd still be a little bit upset but I wouldn't like it wouldn't, you know, crash my entire day or make me fly off the handle or something. Okay, so that's good. You know, I feel like I, I released enough of that pressure cooker that was in my body. Yeah. And so I, I kept doing that. And, and in romantic relationships, I stopped feeling so, I, I felt less needy. Like that, whatever that thing was that I cried out, it was clearly creating this void that was like making me try to feel something, making me try to, that neediness was trying to get me. I was trying to take something from relationships. And the more that I got that stuff out, the more I could just show up and actually enjoy the experience with feeling less anxiety and less sadness and less putting less pressure on them to fill that void for me. That's a big thing. Because in a number of my relationships, like I got the feedback that I was putting pressure on. I had unreasonable expectations on them. And that led them to breaking up with me or cheating or whatever, hitting the eject button. And then with work, I just found adversity in work just easier to handle. I took it less personally. It's just like stuff that might have been considered bad news before. I just switching to problem-solving mode, whereas before I'd be like, oh, this thing isn't going to work, and I give up, and all this story that was tied to my baggage from before. So yeah, yeah lots of different areas of my life. My health, yeah.
1: Did all you keep doing somatic grew- experiencing work?
0: Yeah, yeah, I have. Unfortunately, my, I don't know what you want to call her, coach, she's like a sweet old lady, she's like the grandma I never <laughs> had. <laughs> Unfortunately, she moved away to to lead trainings in another part of the world. So I haven't found a replacement, but honestly, I feel like I could use it. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I I just feel a little tense in here. I feel like I could, there's something in there. I feel like, okay, I'm going to, I could use a good cry sometime soon or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. to be honest, I could use it and we, I, I recommend it every day in men's groups.
1: Yeah. You said something that stood out to me and reminded me of my own journey. I had so much stored and unresolved grief and trauma that my body was shutting down. So I had a lot of back and hip pain. I couldn't walk, stand, lay down. Everything hurt. I couldn't swallow. I was having panic attacks. And I did what I called a full court press where it was like, anyone recommended anything. I was going to try it. And you said somatic experiencing was a last resort for you. Were there other modalities that you tried?
0: Yeah, it's just normal cognitive behavioral therapy.
1: That
0: was great. Talking about it gave me awareness around these things. It's the reason why I'm able to be articulate with them now in a setting like this with you. But the problem with that, though, is that it was like up here and it wasn't actually helping. I needed somebody Mm -hmm. to actually pull this stuff out of me and I needed a coach to do it. I couldn't just do it in my living room by myself. So that's why that made a difference. I tried meditation and journaling and... First Nations, sweat lodges, and men's groups here, and what else? Self-authoring, like this Jordan Peterson stuff, like where you rewrite your life story, affirmations, Tony Robbins stuff, like positive psychology stuff. Yeah, and it it was all beneficial to a degree, but I I had this impression I could build my self-worth. Oh, if I just tell myself that I'm good enough that it would happen. Problem was is that my body had this huge well of feelings that was the opposite that have been drilled into me by, by the experiences I mentioned earlier. Those things are beneficial, j- journaling, morning pages, those kinds of things. And now I do those things with greater success. But like back then, that stuff didn't have a huge impact because I still had this part of me that really had this belief that I wasn't good enough or whatever. So it wasn't until I actually cried that stuff out or got yeah. shook that stuff out in mm, breath work or somatic meditation stuff, which sounds 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 kooky but it's just breathing in the body to let it release that's it yeah it's the the default of our nervous system so yeah yeah yeah, i tried a lot of things
1: very powerful stuff one thing i talk about in my work is concept of the void and it's the gateway between surface level life and going deeper into ourselves or connecting with god and source or the energy that is whatever you want to call it and I feel like a lot of the times I know I've had this too. We have resistance to going deep into those emotions because we're so terrified that they're going to consume us. So intellectually, I knew I couldn't disappear from crying when I would cry so hard and move my grief. I was certain that this was it. I'm just going to disappear. I'm not going to get back up off the floor. Did you have any resistance to those big waves of emotion coming out?
0: Are you kidding? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was terrified and I still am like even though I've done this stuff and I know that it's beneficial when it's starting to well up I'm like no and now I know enough to encourage it like over, overcome that and encourage it but yeah our brains are hardwired to keep us away from pain and this stuff is painful it's going dr- going back and dredging up uncomfortable feelings sometimes painful memories more often than not I didn't have any memory associated with the feelings it was just more of a release and I was left like wondering what that was about. But yeah, it's uncomfortable stuff. And that's why it's the hero's journey. And that's why most the majority of people out there will not do it. They're too scared of their own feelings, which is tragic.
1: Yeah. So true. Talk to us a little bit about how all of your own growth and healing work and being introduced to other men's groups really sets you on this trajectory to have the company and the life that you have today.
0: Yeah, thanks. I actually resisted this being a men's group guy. I came by it honestly. I was, like I mentioned before, I was living in this country and I was lonely and just threw my friends into a Facebook group. And that that turned into the first organization I ran was like a men's group for entrepreneurs. And I had an intention of it being able to chat about business and life and stuff. But then after we'd ski together and the guys would bond, we'd sit in a circle and the first guy would be like, because he'd feel close to the other guys after sharing the experience. And I am i think I'm relatively good at getting people to open up. He would say something like, my wife just had three miscarriages and I have no idea mm-hmm. how to support her. and She's depressed. and I'm feeling sad. What do I do? And he'd be crying. And I'm like, what, are, what is happening? I, I didn't expect this, but I loved yeah. it. You know, I loved it. And so I did that for a while. And then I, like, for the entrepreneurs, and I realized it was all personal stuff. So then when I got sick, I had to sell that business to first men's group company because I couldn't manage it anymore and so after that I was like I want to do something cool I want to be an influencer or I want to be like a a sports guy or like a commentator or something and (laughs) tried filming surfing and tried doing this and that and all these social media things and I was really resisting the truth which is that this is my nature
1: Mm -hmm.
0: there's an incredible book on career that I just happen to have here because I was just talking about in the men's group Called let your life speak by Parker Mm -hmm. J. Palmer and the whole, it's a cute little book about, about career, the journey of finding career. And it, the concept is that most people try to force like a career and a purpose and a, and a direction. But we really, vocation chooses you. Like we all have a nature, things we're naturally made for. And for me, I just couldn't get away from the fact that I feel, it seems like I'm well suited for this. And so mm-hmm. friends started asking me, hey, can you start another one? And that's what led to MensGroup.com. I just felt like I couldn't get away from it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So funny. There are a lot of times where I'm like, I really just want to live on a farm and not be on social media and not have to be the face of my company and my mission. But with purpose work, it's you can't escape. It follows you. And it's like it, at least for me, it feels like it has to move through me. I have to do it or it will kill me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me, I feel similar things. I don't know. I can't say for sure 100% of it comes from a healthy place for me. It could be come from like a place of insecurity and trying to prove myself through doing meaningful things, trying to prove my work. But regardless, it has a positive benefit in the world and I enjoy it. So I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, there's different types of people out there. I fantasize similar to you some days about being able to work at the auto parts store or being able to sell widgets on Amazon or something, something simple. Yeah. Uh, But I can't get, yeah, it seems like this is what I'm meant to be doing. So that's allowed me to do that. Yeah.
1: I love the way you share that. Like you have such a deep level of self-awareness where you're able to name, you're not sure it could come from a place that isn't necessarily positive. And I just think that's something that we're never taught and that we're often lacking. And the more we do our growth and healing work, the more we're able to have it. And I think in the process, at least for me and my experience and with a lot of my clients, As we start to gain more of the self-awareness, as we start to look at our subconscious programming and our winning strategies and our attachment styles and our core wounds and like all of this stuff that has been running our lives, even though we think we have free will and we're making all these conscious choices, it's, it's all being run by that subconscious key. Yeah. And so I feel like there's this confusing process of reorienting after we start doing this work, after we heal, especially to ourselves and our life and our work. And you've talked about that a little bit, but there's anything else that you would want to share about your journey that you think would be helpful for people around that process of waking up and being more self-aware and healing stuff, and what was it like to reorient to your life?
0: Yeah, great question. And it's this is actually something that comes up in men's group is like a lot. It's like these guys, they're starting to build some emotional awareness or situational awareness in their lives, and they're like, how do I get clear on what I need? In a given moment set boundaries and like what I should be doing and what the right direction is for me And it seems like the answer that I've just seen other guys present is that And it was the same in my journey is that we all have this internal compass this like internal voice that's there to guide us that can tell us when something's right or wrong for us in our unique situation and Unfortunately gets stomped out by parents who may not have a high-level of emotional intelligence and the school system and media and society is now set up to, so that you can distract yourself 24 hours a day between moody, movies and video games and porn or whatever else your yeah. vice is. It's, so we're being pushed away from that. But we, if you sit with yourself over time, that compass, that's been, that little voice inside of us is, that's been stomped out, it'll start to come out. It'll start to come out quietly. It'll start to guide you in the right direction. But it's like a muscle. It's atrophied right now, but you have to use it. And then it'll start to be built. So as you, I would highly encourage people to, men and women, to like start to do work with somebody like you, start to go through the process of starting to investigate these different parts of ourselves, because then you, not only do you get rid of the baggage like I was talking about, but then that internal, that internal voice that's looking out for you that, yes, this is good for me. No, this is not good for me. Yes, I need to go in this direction. That gets louder and louder to the point where I was somebody that struggled with figuring out what I should be doing with my life or days or saying yes or no to people saying yes in situations where I didn't want to being like really good with boundaries now. Like I, I like it when somebody, I get to set a boundary with somebody because then I get to see how they, re- see how they react right. and how they handle that. That's a good qualifier for letting people in my life. So I would just encourage people to go on this journey and then it, it does get easier over time. That, that internal directional navigational system we all have does get louder and it truly is the hero's journey. This is the most important work we can do. Because it affects everybody around you. If you clear out your baggage and you understand your patterns and you learn to manage those somewhat, we may never get 100% control of them, but manage them better. that will benefit our romantic partners, our children, our friends, people you run into at the store. It really does have an impact. So yeah. I encourage yeah. people to take that first step and get into that stuff.
1: One final thing I'd love to chat about before we close out is this idea of purpose. Mm. and. I know, especially at least what I've read and learned around masculine and feminine energy. Masculine energy is very purpose-focused. And Uh and having a sense of purpose, whatever that looks like, is so essential, I think, to everyone's well-being, but can be especially to men. And I would love to hear your take on what purpose is and how we can develop it for ourselves.
0: (laughs) Oh, I don't even know how to answer that. It's such a great question. It's like when people ask me what masculinity is, and like, I don't know. I just have my own experience. I just have my own experience of having a deeper voice and broader shoulders and being able to hit things in sports. I don't know what masculinity yeah. is for for everybody else. Purpose seems to be this little. Again, it's this, it's again comes back to this little like this little concept of it's this little whisper inside of you that this is interesting or this isn't interesting for. I don't know how many people are there in the world, seven billion people right now. There's probably there's probably like a hundred that would like to do what I do and they would find this interesting. <laughs> so I don't know why. I, that, I just I was just drawn to it. I was just pulled to it. And some people that might be a completely different thing. It might be fishing or it might be, uh, I don't know, uh, writing or it might be, there's just this, we're just drawn to certain little things. And I've been somebody who, luckily, and I don't know why, I've been somebody who. Pursues those things, and that has led to purposes when I go down an avenue of how oh, this could be interesting and I explore with it, I explore it, and I'm like, "Ooh, this really feels good," and then all of a sudden it becomes something that I want to dedicate myself to that's yeah. how purpose shows up in my life and how I
1: yeah absolutely I don't, I don't know
0: if I explain that very well
1: <laughs> no, I resonate with that fully. I talk a lot about it. Purpose I'd love to hear is what just you think about it. who you're here to be and doing the work you're here to do, and and that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that your purpose is your job. It's just how mm. you feel called to contribute. And I believe that we're all born into this life with our purpose is hard coded inside of us. How it expresses itself throughout our life changes based on what we're going through, the times, how we're shaped by life. But it's that it is that drive towards something, and it's like I said for me. This is my purpose work, having these hard conversations and healing and growth and basically purpose is my purpose. I love helping people step into that, whatever that is for them. But it's this thing that I can't ignore. Mm -hmm. And if I try to, it eats me up inside. and, Mm -hmm. And it's different for everyone. Some people want to change the world and help with things like global warming or ending world hunger and others It's I just want to make pretty things and I want to give them to people so that they, or I want to raise kids and and neither Mm -hmm. one is better or worse.
0: No, that's such an important topic that I, I I, having been somebody who's been around a lot of high achieving people because that man's group for entrepreneurs, a lot of those guys went on to be the guys whose podcasts we listen to now and the books we read and all these things. And these guys who are having a big impact, often it doesn't come from a, a healthy place. It comes from trying to fill a void and these kinds of things. Mm. And if you look at their private lives behind the scenes, they're actually not that happy. Whereas the guy who's a janitor, but he's he finds joy in making people's day with jokes or something like that. Who's yeah, who's having a bigger impact there? Who's actually better off? This whole notion that you have to do something big and meaningful—go work for Greenpeace or go be starving yeah. kids in Africa—like that, that's not true for everybody. I, I was at the border, uh, the US-Canada border the, the other day, riding my bike with my girlfriend. And there's this section where there's no fence, right? It's just like one road beside the other and a little ditch and that's it. And so we thought that was cool. So we decided to take our bikes and put them up against the marker that indicates this is the border. <laughs> and, and we're taking we're about to take a selfie. My bike falls into the United States. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. This is not good. Sure enough, Border Patrol rolls up, lights wow. on and everything. Canadian, luckily. <laughs> and it rolls up and screeches the tires. And I, I'm mid selfie. And I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm going to jail.
1: <laughs> like this isn't
0: good. <laughs> and I, I, the, the guy drives up and, and screeches his tires. And so I walk over to him like, Oh, what's up officer. And he's, like, I just wanted to bomb your selfie. That's
1: awesome.
0: Yeah. And this guy has such a jolly <laughs> energy about him. He literally made our day.
1: And so this yeah. doesn't
0: always have to manifest in your work. I think it often does for a lot of people, but like, just you run these individuals that are garbage man or like a border patrol officer who are just like having a good time trying to make people give people little laughs and stuff and i'm like that that, living their
1: best life yeah
0: that (laughs) might yeah yeah that might have more positive impact than somebody who's doing solar farming in in, in, india or something i don't know so it doesn't have to be through work and it doesn't have to be a grand thing
1: yeah definitely Well, thank you so much for sharing so much of your journey. We're going to put all your amazing info and links in the show notes. But before we sign off, if you would share where people can find you, that would be awesome.
0: Yes, yeah, just men'sgroup.com. We just run online men's groups there. we got a blog with some great resources and I'm just trying to invite as many normal guys to come and have a chat if they feel like it. Yeah. That's awesome. it. Thank yeah. you
1: so much for being here.
0: Thanks, Stephanie. I enjoyed it. Keep up your great work.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today and for being a part of this powerful community of purpose-driven individuals. We have a ton of free resources for you at www.talesfromthejourney.tv slash free, including access to an eight-week sampler of our renowned journey mapping program. That gives you instant access to impactful training lessons, life-changing exercises, and our signature AccuSesh processes that you can implement immediately. we love your help in getting the message out and growing our community. So please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.